so I had this dream the other night. I was um I was in this long stone hallway like I was like underground or in a pyramid or something like lit by torches and you know as I'm walking down this hallway I can you know hear my footfalls echoing and there's all these chambers that that open off on either side of this hallway and I'm walking down I'm looking at each one and in each one there's like a different um you know historical moment inside like one is like Hannibal with his elephants and his army and one is uh you know like Laika the street dog is looking down on earth from orbit uh, Hiawatha meets the peacemaker uh Ludmilla Pavlichenko snipes her 300th Nazi and so I'm I'm walking down this hallway I get to the end and there's this big chamber and standing in the middle of this chamber is, is a man and he's got his back to me and so I walk up to him and I get up to him and I realize suddenly that I am naked and I'm holding a syringe of bleach in my hand <laughs> it doesn't it's not it's not it's not labeled or anything it's just but you know it's dream logic I know it's bleach right. and and the man turns around and it's marks and he looks down at the syringe and he looks back up at me and he goes, You freak bitch, you little alien. Safety's off, going hot. Welcome to the UP, Upper Peninsula, also known as God's Country. We crossed the bridge, I'd never heard of the Mackinac Bridge before. These Upers are a special breed, born in the UP. The UP, the UP, UP. right here in the UP. The UP it takes a certain kind of person. To want to be here. You can find it between your and you who. If you want to be here and you can love it, then you're a youper. 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 Gun club formed as a reaction to the recent rise of the extreme right. A youper. 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 I think I'm a youper. A. I have youpers in my pocket. A youper can be hard to define. Cornish, Finnish, and Italian immigrants. Actual Native Americans. People who have lived here like the Anishinaabe. To be a youper, it's a mindset. It's a state of mind. A place rooted in hard labor. Climate that's sometimes really hard to live in. Snow at least six months out of the year. It can get cold. Five degrees below zero outside. Weather can change in a matter of minutes. More snow than Alaska. Make it snow more. Cold is cold. I mean, you know, we adapt to the, to the cold up here. Now paint, paint the snow. When you say youper, I say the holy grail of youperism. We're gonna shoot a we're gonna shoot. negative connotations associated with the term youper and the lifestyle of a youper. Really, if you aren't one, you really can't understand. You just know it. And don't say sauna. Sauna. There's only one way to say the word sauna. 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 Just a little room there that, that, that gets heated up. Youper talk and what it means. Real Youper. The point is self-defense, empowerment, and a sense of community. That's what being a Youper is about. Well, I'll tell you what. A lot of people say that you can't become a Youper if you... Look, at there's a fish right there. Hello and welcome to the Youper Gun Club, the 316th Youper podcast to be started since this coronavirus panic began. I'm Rob. And I'm Zach. And uh, we're going to be freewheeling today. Um, a little bit of a break in format from what you guys have listened to before, which uh, I'm sure you guys were all big fans. Freestyle. <laughs> right. I'm sure you guys were all big fans Off the of cuff. listening to me fucking uh, ramble on about how trains are good for 20 fucking minutes, my drunk ass. But uh, <laughs> speaking of my drunk ass, I have uh, been not drinking for a while, just as like a test of will. It's been, uh, I don't know, over a week now. Um, and I got to say, shit is boring. And I don't think it's so much that I like drinking. It's more that I hate being sober. Yeah. And, you know, a big thing of that is, like, drinking is a thing to do. I can occupy myself just getting drunk. You know, you got to stand up, go get another drink, make some ice, pet the cats, maybe have a snack. Ooh, you decide what you're going to... Oh, no, no, you know what? Don't even look at a thing. I'm going to look at my phone instead, post something that I think is mildly funny, you know, at the time, and then, oh, shit, I need another drink. <laughs> it's an activity, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, like, one thing that I like about, like, um, 
or I have liked in the past about like compulsive drug use is like there's a certain point where I'm like, you know, like I used to do a lot of speed and at a certain point, like I didn't even enjoy like the, the euphoria has got, I can't use speed anymore because there's no euphoria anymore. I just get like this, oh, that's a wicked this bummer. edgy, like fucked up, like, I don't know, anxiety. It's all, it's all like, uh, you know, uh, CNS stimulant and uh no like positive um like psychological experience at all yeah you get no payoff but it's something you're right there is something there because like it's like it's something to look forward to it's like or it's like uh right yeah it's like oh i get to change my mind a little bit now or something even if it's just filling the little hole that you dug into your brain You know, and that's generally using any substance. You're like, ah, I'm going to dig this little hole. And then filling it up makes me feel good. It doesn't change the fact that it's still an activity, you know? Yeah. I think the big difference between alcohol and uh, and a lot of drugs is alcohol still gets you wicked fucked up every time you do it. And it's cheap as shit and it's legal and it's socially acceptable. So, like, I've done, you know, you know every drug ever or at least i've tried pretty much um, so <laughs> so that alcohol is still a standout one for me where it's just like this is different than like i've smoked enough weed where it's like boy i really need to smoke a hell of a lot more weed or my tolerance or whatever but like i feel like my tolerance for alcohol is i mean it's always been pretty high but that was kind of true when i started drinking now yeah it takes me more but i still just get as wrecked when i'm drinking as when i started drinking yeah for me it's not like a tolerance issue so much as like what i i mean this is not this is true with with all the drugs that i've liked uh is that like after a certain point if you use it enough like it ceases to be like an alternative state like it becomes like yeah like when we lived in americana i was high so often that that was your operating level yeah like like being sober felt like the alternate state to be in and it so you just yeah. like whatever you're trying to get out of it like i don't know that you know people people use drugs like the opiate addiction shit is like you know they they call them uh diseases of despair or whatever i think that people use drugs or or at least i use drugs to try to like escape something or like have some kind of comfort in this dog shit world and yeah but that you if you do them enough it come it becomes like another part of the dog shit world as rather than like a, a a distinct um like experience well, I mean, norm it, normal, the norming is boral. Normal is boring, right? And if you do something enough, that becomes your new normal, and normal is always boring. Yeah. That's just how it is. Now, to be fair, I still have uh, as much or more fun getting wicked drunk as I did when I first started getting wicked drunk, and that's different than almost any other drug. Um, we used to do a lot of acid, like a lot probably too much acid um but like you couldn't do acid two days in a row and expect to have like as intense trips even if you did like a lot more acid the second day i can get shit housed and have a blast and then the next day drink the exact same alcohol get just as shit housed and still have a really great time and i think that's what makes it such a strange different thing and also it's probably the simplest chemical that gets us just ruined. I mean, if you look at ethanol, it's just uh, like two carbons and an oxygen and, well, and a, and a hydrogen because that's the alcohol part. You know, that's yeah. it. It's not a complex molecule. It's just terrible and Maybe for that's you, what though. makes it different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, shit. for you. Yeah, I mean, that's I what... love it. Yeah, that's see, I, I've just alcohol's never been my drug of choice. I mean, I'm drinking a beer right now. I was like, <laughs> but but uh, 
like psychedelics are to me like a totally unique and like different class too that I don't think suffers from the same problems with like extended use because like any extended use you're going to have with psychedelics is going to be like spaced over a period of months or years because they are it like has to be yeah they're anti-addictive like not only are they not addictive right. they're anti-addictive because like I there's like if if someone was like if I had if I had if I had like a heroic dose if I ate ate like five grams of mushrooms and I got my got fucking launched out of my body and had this like experience where I ceased to be a human being and I merged with like the like uh you know whatever the the multifoliate unfolding of all of the universe and then I came yeah, back to my body the inner math yeah there you go I came back into my body and I had to like you know, be shackled to my puny ego again and reassemble like who I am and what I feel and like what I, what matters to me. Like that, that kind of experience is so profound and so important that if someone the next day was like, well, dude, you want to trip again? I'd be like, fuck, fuck no, man. Right. Yeah. You're going to have to chew on what just happened for a while. Yeah, exactly. Dude, this, uh, I met this girl on Tinder this week. And, wait, wait, hang uh, on. Are, are you going to go into this? Because I have just one last thing to say about uh, being an anti-addictive. Yeah. Right? Okay. So like, so drugs, generally, the more you take, the less effect they'll do. I think the curve for psychedelics on that is so high that it's almost impossible. So like you take two hits of acid or you eat like a, you know, an eighth of mushrooms or even a half an eighth of mushrooms one day the next day to even get oh, an yeah. effect you have to like do 10 times the dose not even just double or triple it's like so much more that you have to do to get the same psychological or physiological effects yeah. that it's not even feasible and like you know that also you're mentally and physically exhausted but it's just like yeah i'm not gonna sit here and eat a half a pound of mushrooms just to get as high as i was last night that's right. a crazy concept yeah, I mean, and then anyway. you'd have to, yeah, it's just kind of like a an irresponsible way to go about it, I feel like. If you know anything about psychedelics, you're trying right. to have, yeah. like, even if you're doing it recreationally, you should be going into it trying to have, like, a meaningful, like, enjoyable experience with your friends or whatever. Like, all, all those trips right. that we had at Americana, I would say that they were recreational, but they weren't, like, only recreational. They weren't, like, the nights that we, like sat there with the bong or uh you know whatever got drunk they're they're also they also have like spiritual components to them and so it's yeah it's just not like one of those things that you're like let's do it again i don't know right well you know that you could also not capture lightning in a bottle the same way like because yeah you're you have to be aware of it like i mean and the only way that you're aware of it is you try it you try to do that like you can't force that same creativity that same magic the next day so it just doesn't work you know but uh yeah, yeah it it is the anti-addictive yeah i but mean anyway, that's you... why that's why you know there it's that's why like psilocybin is showing such promising um results for like treating uh you know cigarette smoking or tobacco nicotine addiction or or and alcoholism um, yeah alcoholism too I mean, dating back to the '50s, that was true. But um, right, yeah, I was thinking about I, you. Were, the, this talk, the psychedelic talk, reminded me of the <laughs> this Tinder girl. So, or I should say, woman. But so I met this this woman on Tinder, and we were having a pretty good conversation. We were vibing or whatever. Like she seemed like she, uh, we had a lot in common and stuff. And um, so we made plans to go hiking. Like she lives. Uh, in Escanaba or somewhere around there and we were going to go hiking down there and um we we're going to go hiking Saturday she so one of the things that she asked me when, when we were talking was if I got some mushrooms if I if I got a hold of some mushrooms would you want to trip together I was like I've never met this woman ever right oh this that's was a the bold thing this was the first time that we were talking ever so that to me was like Okay, I'll just file that under red flag, but uh, right. 
but I was, so I was just like, but whatever, I'll give her a chance. So I was like, no, I would rather, uh, I would rather get to know you a little bit better before we trip right, together. Yeah, maybe at minimum second date. <laughs> At minimum. Do you want to meld souls and see me naked and frail? Do you how about I open up every single thing that makes me vulnerable to you and then you can possibly just reject me and destroy my entire ego? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's the whole thing. Like (laughs) such a wild concept. Like, yeah, not to mention that yeah like who you're with is like so important like you're supposed to be with people you trust like i cannot trust a person i don't know it's just like a fucking fact but um so anyway uh she was like okay yeah well let's just go hiking saturday or whatever so i'm like okay so friday night we're like texting and she's like oh i'm going camping i'm like well that's cool you must have a lot less snow down there than i still have but um cool so the next day we're supposed to go hiking or whatever so she t- she texts me this weird fucking text message Saturday she morning. She did those drugs that night. Yeah, she went and did mushrooms with her friends anyway. So she sure. so she took me shooting her down for tripping together before I've ever met her as and and, and countered with, well how about I just do drugs with my friends and then invite you to come hang out with us sober? Like, how does that sound better? <laughs> right, when everybody's just ruined the next day, just a husk <laughs> of a human being trying to deal with all the shit that they thought through last night? No, but she was still tripping. That's the whole thing. She she texts oh me. She's like, she's like, uh, I'm on day two and I can still hike, but I got stuff to get ready. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Oh my God. She's like sending pictures of of uh her and her friends in front of a campfire and shit it's like and then saying stuff like i like tripping when i'm sleep deprived it's more intense it's like oh my god that's just adding to the sleep deprivation yeah so needless to say i did not uh go hiking with this woman jesus yeah no shit jesus christ yeah uh no okay on the on the converse side of that there is something to be said about like learning who a person is on psychedelics like you will probably get a better understanding of who they are at a core oh for sure you know by doing that and that's something that i would want to share with any like potential partner but just yeah not the first fucking time i meet you i can also like well i can also like tell i can usually tell within like 10 minutes of meeting somebody whether i would ever be willing to trip with them too it's pretty interesting it's like a it's pretty good barometer for like if i'm gonna like a person or trust a person or or want them in my life it's like ask ask yourself would you trip with this person (laughs) well but i mean think about that as just like a first date tool right like you didn't you know you, you chatted them a little bit and then you both go into it like all right we both open ourselves up to what could be a bad trip and spending time with someone that we don't want to spend time with. But this is how we're going to get right down to it. Like I'll find out if you're a good liar or not, or I'll find out if you're a trustworthy person. I'll find out if you have the type of empathy that, that I respect or, or even just like any, you know, the, the nooks and crannies in your mind that I might find repellent later down the road. We're going to do that all we're going to cram like two years of relationship into one night and decide whether or not it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, I there's mean, something to be uh, said for that. No, there, there, there is for sure. It's like, um, it's kind of like the pharmacological equivalent of that. Uh, did you see that, uh, New York times, um, profile about this? I mean, let me stop you right there. Probably not. There, there was this. It was a few because years ago. It's it was like a, times. It was a whole big thing a few years ago where they were like, where they were like, we have designed a test that will make you fall in love with whomever you give the test to. It's like a set of questions that basically is designed to like elicit vulnerability. I think and like it sounds empathy like pickup artist stuff. shit. It, I don't think it was that, but it was like. I mean, it makes sense to me, too, because it's like you normally like first date conversation is you're just kind of trying to 
feel somebody out and see if you get along and see if you have, but you're not going to be asking like, like this test was designed by like, uh, you know, like behavioral psychologists or some shit. You're not going to be asking those kind of questions, like the type of questions that really, uh, cut to some of the, like the core issues until later on. And like, but it seems like I, 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 uh, I know somebody who met this guy and well, you know, her too. um, met this guy and um started dating him and now that their first date they gave each other this this test or this quiz or whatever okay and apparently apparently it worked so i mean, I mean they're broken there's... up now <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't work for forever no but okay so if it's both people on the same playing field knowing what this test is and what this test is about that's a little bit different, but still the whole idea of like, if I get to ask you these questions, you answer honestly, then we're probably going to end up together. That sounds like some pickup artist, the game shit. And that just makes me suspect of the whole concept. Well, it's not, it wasn't like created by some guy as a way to like fuck women though. Like, you know what I mean? It's like a, it seemed pretty innocuous to me. Now, whether you want to buy into it and think that like it's a way to meet your life partner or whatever, I don't know about all that, but it seemed like a pretty, uh, like innocuous thing, like, or, or, or even like a, uh, it could, could, could potentially be like a fun game to play with like someone that you're just meeting to like really, um, like accelerate, uh, some intimacy. Yeah. I mean, I understand it and like it makes sense, but only because you you're both on the same level and coming at this from the same point of view. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not like you're trying to ask someone questions and like trick them or something. You know, they're, yeah. you're both Question asking one each is, other. Do you want to do mushrooms even though we've never met in person? Question and one. And that's the whole that's the whole quiz. What that ass do though? <laughs> but like, yeah, do. <laughs> do you want me to tell you about like some deeply traumatizing things that happened in my childhood that are subconscious that I need to work through <laughs> while we're both on mushrooms? <laughs> yeah. Like no fucking no dude. Yeah. I feel like, especially like that going back to the whole thing of like, do you want to come and do mushrooms even though we've never met is just like some of that shit is just like, is like stuff that, they need to work out themselves, at least from my experience doing a lot of psychedelics. What do you Sometimes mean? the shit that comes out is stuff that, like, for me, is stuff that I need to work on. And, oh, and yeah. the only way that I really fully realize it is by having someone that I trust put a focus on it and be like, hey, you know, you're being a dick about these things. And it's going to hurt me, but because I trust this person who's telling me, I'm going to internalize it. Now, if it's someone that I don't know telling me that I'm a dick, I'm probably just going to get defensive, hyper defensive, because we're both on psychedelics and I can feel how you feel about the things that I'm saying. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I don't it's think just, she was like, I don't think she was like offering it as like a, like a, you know, a shortcut to like intimacy or anything. Although like, you know, I agree with you that that, um, could potentially be like an outcome but i think that she was just trying to like she saw that she saw my profile and she's like okay this guy like knows what's up it might be fun or whatever but that's like right. does not sound fun to me <laughs> <laughs> it sounds dangerous yeah i mean especially yeah i don't know i'm not gonna go to the fucking woods with you and your friends whom i've never met and right like yeah do a psychedelic substance when i yeah no mm -mm. that sounds like a great way to just be like essentially naked right these people all know each other yeah and you've only been talking to one of them right go there's just i mean i don't yeah, know you keep talking a, to her there's just a way to no i no i haven't talked to her since just then. done with her i mean yeah it's kind of like pretty big red flag and also i mean it's like, a red flag but she could be a decent friend that's true but um she likes to go camping and do psychedelics with her friends yeah i guess you know the other thing was that i was thinking was that just this 
this shit just takes so much fucking energy. Like, maybe it's because I'm older now, like, I'm in my 30s, but it's just, like, the amount of energy required to, like, get to know a new person at this point in my life with no guarantee that it'll be worth the investment in my time and energy. And also, maybe it's just the, 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 all the corona shit, too, where, but I'm just, like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't care. I don't care enough to, like... It yeah. just seems just seems hard. I have to learn this whole new person and what she likes and dislikes and her all her mannerisms and all the things that have happened to her. And then I have to tell right. her all the shit that's happened to me. Like the, my whole thing is <laughs> fucking exhausting. Right. It sounds exhausting. I don't want to do it. But well, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, uh, you know, like if. You remember when Brad went up to the UP and uh, and he was gonna go up to uh, what's that fucking ski place that uh, doesn't make their own snow? Oh, Mount Bohemia. Uh, Mount Bohemia. Yeah, and he went up there and they weren't running the ski lifts. And he was up there with his brother, so they hiked to the top of the mountain carrying their snowboards, and they went down and they said it was worth it, but it was only worth doing once. Well, here's the whole thing: you have to take relationships like that is it going to be worth it to snowboard down on the far side probably but you're never going to know until you climb the mountain i guess maybe i take issue with the probably part <laughs> like why i have no guarantee of that there i yeah. might s- snowboard right off a fucking cliff into a tree i don't know yeah but you also might get three quarters of the way down eat shit and fuck yourself up but you know if yeah. you you know this is a not a one to one analogy, so like we can't we can't take this out to its conclusion. But it's just, you know, it is a hill to climb. Yeah, no, and, for sure. You know. I'm not unwilling to climb the hill. I guess just at this point in my life with this particular person, I was like, sounds sounds like oh, a I lot don't think right you now. were wrong. Yeah. I don't think you were wrong. And the big thing is, like, if you're not up for it, then you're not up for it, and that's it. Yeah. Well, if I'm going to trip, I'm going to plan it out. I'm going to have the music I'm going to play. I'm going to know where I'm where I'm going to be. I'm going to feel safe where I'm at. I'm going to be with people I feel safe around. And I'm going to have some fucking weird fruit in the fridge. Because there's nothing right. better than, like, hour four pulling out a pineapple and being like, look at this fucking right. thing. Can you believe this shit right. exists? fucking star fruit or some shit let's put it like i knew this taste but i didn't know it was this fruit (laughs) oh there's nothing better than cold fruit like it's the best at the apex right past the apex where you're like okay let's do some weird shit you always end up in the kitchen right that's what we always says you always end up in the kitchen but if you're in the kitchen man there's nothing better than cold fruit my friend and i went um we ate some mushrooms we went down to like the garden peninsula to this spot where there's a bunch of old growth cedars. This is in like December. And um, we're just going to like walk around in these cedars. And so we got there. We, I didn't want to, I knew I was going to have to drive and I was going to, you know, so I didn't want to have like a whole overwhelming trip. So we each ate two grams, which ended up being right. like the real, really the sweet spot. But we, um, we ended up walking around these cedars and this, this stand of these cedars that were like, you know, 800 years old thousand years old was like pretty small we like walked from one end to the other in like 20 minutes and then we're like it's we're like start we're like starting to feel it come on and we're like well we're here for the day so now what the fuck are we gonna do so we so we drove over to like uh by a kitchen a kippy and we found some snowshoe trails and we're snowshoeing and um we like stopped after a couple hours and uh, just on in the middle of a snowmobile trail with my pocket knife i cut open a couple uh pomegranates and he'd never eaten a pomegranate before <laughs> oh and so no we just way. so we just like ate these pomegranates with our hands and our mouths right. like on the side of on the side of this fucking snowmobile trail just, just stained like, red, red yeah and red snow and shit but it was oh, it was man. uh <laughs> glory it was pretty glorious there's such like weird little alien seed pods it's a, such a weird looking fruit. It's awesome looking. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just a seed cluster they're in called, there, and then they get stuck called, in your uh, teeth and shit. Yeah, they're called arils, actually. 
which I only Arrows? remember because I think it's a very pretty word. Yeah, the, is that the a type little, of fruit? Well, the or little the, the little are? the little seed things are are not called. They're not seeds technically, or they may they might have seeds in them. I'm not sure, but they're called yeah. arils. I think a big thing for me is being warm when I trip, because like I have I have poor circulation anyway because of my myriad health problems and how my fucking body is falling apart but there's always a certain point in the night where my toes are cold and going out into the woods is like you know you can never fully warm up with a fire unless you have like blankets and shit but even then like the part that's facing away from the fire is never as warm as it ought to be and there's always just that is especially because like when you when you're tripping at night it gets cold as shit around like four in the morning and there's always that like almost damp heavy coldness and no fire can really keep that out you should realistically be asleep so you don't have to worry about it but because you're tripping and you're awake that's always been a part that i don't really care for so i'd rather be inside at that point in the trip and i can't imagine going out in the woods overnight just a trip without having a a warm place to retreat back to yeah i know what you mean i mean i i don't really yeah if i was gonna trip if i was gonna trip like camping it would i I would prefer the date i don't like to trip at night like i would trip during the day but um i mean i feel like daytime trips are probably where i'd end up anyway i thought about uh getting a mushroom grow kit and just keeping it in a closet not that any of my closets have doors, but, you know, I, I live in a fancy place. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you, it's funny you say that you get cold. I think I have pretty poor circulation too, but do you, um, do you get the head sweats? Cause so get this, I, uh, bicycle day was last, when was it? Saturday or Sunday? What the fuck is bicycle day? Bicycle. Oh, so it's the nineteenth. So it was a week ago yesterday. No, uh, I mean, I don't know what the date. I don't care what the date is. What is Bicycle Day? Well, I'm just telling our fucking listeners, all right? Uh, bicycle <laughs> no, Bicycle wondering. Day is Bicycle Day is the anniversary of when um, Albert Hoffman oh. took his famous uh, bicycle yep. ride, LS intentional, the first ever intentional yep. LSD trip. Um, yep. And it's become like sort of a like an unofficial holiday. But anyway, I um, I have some uh, I have some acid that I uh, dissolved in distilled water, like volumetric dosing. So for 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 uh, right. uh, microdosing, yeah. and so I took up like I took I was gonna take like I ended up taking like fifteen ish uh, micrograms. I drank like fifteen micrograms of acid on bicycle yeah. day. Just wanting to have like a you know a little, a little something something little kick to my day. That's a pretty you know that's fifteen percent of a dose, right. and got real weird and head sweaty, like got way more head sweaty than I intended at that dose, and ended up like sharpening every knife I own just for something to do. Like I don't right. know maybe it's the Did- quarantine. <laughs> it was getting did weird, you think that a hundred micrograms was a standard dose it is i mean it's like 50 no it's the well the the one drawback to the volumetric dosing is that you have to assume that a hit is 100 micrograms which oh yeah my under, my understanding is that's what the average tab is is like 100 micrograms but you have no way of knowing that <laughs> you know yeah. buying street acid but I mean, I mean I've taken true. this this particular uh I've taken this particular batch before and never had any head sweatiness. So I don't well, know what it was, I am, but I'm a prof- prolific head sweater. I almost sweat exclusively from my head. Um and that's also true when it's warm or when I'm working out. And anytime anybody sees me, they're like, "Oh Jesus Christ! Look at the, what the fuck is wrong <laughs> with you? You're pouring sweat." And I'm like, "No, no. Feel my armpits." <laughs> and people generally don't take me up on that, but they're pretty dry. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a head sweater for sure. Like that's just how it goes. Yeah, and especially I... if I do a drug, I'm just sweating from just pouring buckets from my head. So it's everyone can tell 
right? Like I'm not <laughs> doing secret doses of anything. I'm not like, ooh, guess what? I did a little bit of this. Everyone's like, dude, you look like you're dying. And I'm like, no, I feel pretty good. Am I? And then I touch my forehead and it's just fucking dripping. And I'm like, oh shit, guys, I'm sorry. I'm just remembering, yeah. I'm just picturing in my mind's eye all the times that I've seen you with like, fucking saucer pupils grinding your jaw just looking yep. like a fucking deviant like <laughs> yeah I, I look like a pervert the kind of person like, that the a woman thing. in a supermarket would 100 percent like take their children by the shoulders and like lead them away right. from you <laughs> or just mace me right like just fucking pepper spray right into my goddamn eyes yeah yeah i mean no i i look like a sick freak when I do it. But I mean, that's any drug. Like the only drug that I don't sweat from my head a lot from is alcohol or nicotine. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Ca- I su- no, there's caffeine too. I drink coffee. I'm fucking sweating out of my gut. Everyone's like, Jesus Christ. I had like a, you know, a cup of coffee at work and, and everyone's like, are you okay? Are you sick? No, I had a cup of coffee. I can't help it. It's how my body works. It's all trash. It's fucking garbage held together with zip ties. <laughs> there's yeah there's body, something about is. there's something about psychedelics though that that makes me like particularly head sweaty i don't know what it is but i mean i can like i have like a um pavlovian uh response to psychedelics at this point now like i can um like if i think about eating a hit of acid, it's happening right now if i can think about hitting eating a hit of acid like my mouth starts watering and I, and I can, like, get that, I, like, have, like, a like a taste of tinfoil in my mouth, almost, like, because, right, yeah. you know, they're mostly wrapped in tinfoil, so you get that little metallic taste to it, but... You ever get that thing where uh, you just have a day where, like, the back of your throat tastes like cocaine, and you're like, oh, man, I haven't thought about this in forever, and now you're just like, boy, it'd be pretty cool to have some cocaine. Um... I don't think I've ever that, tasted it in the back of my throat, but there's there's sometimes where I'll smell something and it'll uh, it'll like for whatever reason right. remind me of yeah, cocaine. I mean, I work around enough solvents where it's just like yeah, it's, so it's not a smell thing for me. It's just one of those where I mean, maybe it is a smell, but it's not like an actual present smell. It's a thing in my brain where it's just like, "Oh yeah, I remember this. This is a good time." <laughs> Maybe I should spend way too much of my free time trying to find it, and then way too much of my money trying, and then it's oh it's shit, it's bad. <laughs> that's just yeah. <laughs> that's how it always goes. Yeah, it's. I just yeah, cocaine is. It's like fun for ten minutes. It's I don't know. I can't. You can't. It's a. It's a. It's. It's the perfect um, like example of of what I was talking about earlier, where if you use a drug enough, it stops to have. It stops having like some kind of like satiation right. for you or whatever. Except cocaine is just like that all the time. You don't have to do enough of cocaine to for that to start happening. You just are never satisfied with it. Except for like yeah, the first maybe ten or fifteen minutes. Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I've I've fallen asleep with really good cocaine left over, okay. and then just like woke up in the morning and was like, well, fuck, we got to get rid of this. So I guess I'm gonna have to do it. And everybody else is like, I don't want any. That we were up way too late. But I mean, that was just really good stuff. Blew my goddamn mind. I started, <laughs> we got some, and we were playing board games, and uh, and I just chopped up like a fat rail, and I and I did it, and immediately I, I was just I almost puked because I didn't expect that it was going to be good, <laughs> and I was just like, Ugh! and everyone's looking at me, and immediately my head starts pouring buckets of sweat, <laughs> and they're just like, what's wrong? And I was like, it's really good. Like it's just it's almost a bummer because it was too good and then you can never find that plateau again. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was just one of those where like we did it until way too late at night and then uh we all tried to fall asleep and then the next day at like noon or two or whatever, I woke up and I was like, Oh, we still have cocaine left and everyone's like, Oh god damn it. Like we don't even wanna deal with this right now because we were you know, you're just fucking burnt out the next day. Yeah. Just hang over. <clears throat> I met this guy one time. Um, he was a he was like a young kid. I met him at uh, the Ordoc and we were just talking and he 
he said that he had just gotten back from spending a year traveling the world. Like he, he like worked all through high school for his dad's construction company and he saved like $10,000 or something. And he just spent a year just like traveling all over. But he told me that, um, he was in Colombia and he went to, uh, Pablo Escobar's, um, former like Island compound and, played paintball with a bunch of his friends and just got fucking gacked and that sounds (laughs) like the most fun thing i've ever heard of in my fucking life there i watched a like a vice land thing where they're like oh you know you go out in the woods or no it was um it's called hamilton's pharmacopoeia it's on netflix oh i love this guy who's yeah he's basically like a naive dork who's trying to go out and do all these different drugs um but he's a scientist. He's a biochemist, I believe. Yeah, and I was gonna I say he doesn't. He did, he's not not. He doesn't seem naive to me. He's very like yeah. He's very nerdy on the end of it. He's but um, I know what you mean. Well, but I mean a lot of these things are like the first time he's ever done it. Yeah, That's yeah. What I mean sure. by naive, he doesn't really know what to expect. He only reads the literature and goes, okay, well Shulgin said this, so I'm gonna right. assume that it's true, and you know it's a variable thing from person to person and blah 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 blah. But uh, I think it was on that show where he went out into the woods and made cocaine. Like there's there's a guy that you can pay like 50 bucks to and he'll take you out into the woods in Colombia and he will make show you how to process cocaine from coca leaf all the way through. And Mm. uh, I always wanted to do that because I want to try out my organic chemistry skills. In the end, you will walk away with like a like a couple of grams that you get to keep because you made it yourself. And if you make it good, it's good stuff. And you make it shitty, well, that's on you. Yeah, but that's I don't. It, maybe it wasn't from Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia, but that that always seemed like fun because he was a guy that used to be a, a chemist, not like a properly trained chemist. He was a he's a cocaine chemist. He knows how to cook cocaine or purify cocaine from coca leaves, and that's it, right? Right. Um. And that's what he does now is he'll just be like, look, we can go out there, grab a handful of leaves. You can make a small amount of cocaine and there you go. And that's what he does for a living now because he's no longer part of the organized drug trade. But it always seemed like fun because I know what I'm doing in a lab and I wanted to see how good I could make it. So I got a question for you. Um, what are you going to do with your body when you die? Um... I want to be cremated and uh, have, like, half my ashes uh, spread, like, at Little Presque Isle or something, somewhere by Lake Superior, and have yeah. the other half put into one of those, um, like, tree urns, like you can buy, you know what I'm talking about? Right, yeah. And just so, uh, yeah, so my, you know, my molecules will mix with the tree and go into the tree i like the idea of of cremation anyway just because i read some shit about how how much your molecules will disperse in the air and how far they'll spread in such a short period of time and like that you'll be breathed in by basically you know millions of other beings with within days I, i like that idea i like I like the idea of um <laughs> of forcing yourself to become carbon dioxide. Well, just the, just the idea and of like water. parts of me going back into the world and being um It's okay to say that you, you want know. to be inside me. <laughs> I want to be inside <laughs> millions of people at once. Oh, that's gross. Uh you're you're aiming for billions. Yeah. Well, where would uh where would the tree be planted once it's big enough? I don't know. It's a good question. As someone who mows a, mowed a lot of cemetery, don't plant that shit in the cemetery. You're a goddamn monster if you do. No, I don't like, want to be in a just cemetery. Have a, have a plot of land that stays in your family or whatever and just leave it there. I want to be in a cemetery. I grew up down the or end of my driveway was a cemetery. Um, my whole damn family is in there. I plan on being there. Um, my wife doesn't really have much choice. She's going to be there too. And uh, the plots are cheap. But my whole idea is just have a headstone there. Like, ideally, if I die in the winter, um, say like March or so, uh, people just take my body out to uh, an ice flow in Lake Superior and cut me off. 
Just let me throw it out there. <laughs> maybe like maybe they'll have to tattoo on my face like this is not a murder. Let me sink, just in case somebody finds me. But like, you know, the water's cold enough that I'm not going to come back up. I get to feed the fish, and uh, you know, it's what my ancestors would have wanted. You just cut me off on a nice flow, and say fuck off. Or yes. other option, if it's the summertime, big ass funeral pyre party. Oh, for sure. That's that's what I want anyway. Like, I originally wanted there to be a big party at Presque Isle, at, at which they would, you know, my my friends and family would throw my carcass onto the fire. But apparently, that's illegal. So, <laughs> well, I did a lot of looking into this. Um, if you own the land, which you don't own, Presque Isle. If you own the land uh, and you can look into it, it is not necessarily considered desecration of a corpse if there's a lot of, like, legal paperwork already done. Because um, we're looking into, like, home burials, right? And basically what happens is you just get a whole bunch of Ziploc bags full of dry ice and keep it around the body, and people can come over and you can just bury them in your backyard because it's not illegal to bury a body in your backyard. Um, hmm. So... I was thinking, like, well, as long as it's, you know, well known that that I don't want to be buried, and that and it might be tricky, but because like in Colorado, you can you can have a funeral pyre. Um, yeah, there's some really cool green burial places in Colorado. Our whole um, culture, funeral our, our rituals or whatever around death is so fucking grotesque and weird. It's so bizarre. It makes no sense to me. Like we, it's really strange that we have this like obsession with like we we live in a death cult, right? Like we're we're literally debating how many tens of thousands of lives we're gonna sacrifice to the line. Um, yep. But at the same time, we are so today. we are so like um, we have this like morbid fascination with um, denying death or like pretending that it's never not going to happen or like not letting it uh take its natural course it's like really fucking bizarre and like that's the whole thing with like end of life care our entire industry around end of life care is not based around like giving people the the uh means to um die with like dignity and without pain it's about like extending and prolonging their life no matter their quality of life, uh, like neurotically as long as possible, even if it's just like an empty shell of a person shitting their pants in a nursing home that we put them in because we don't want to take care of them or think about them or acknowledge that they exist anymore. We're kind of just uh, done with the whole idea of them. And yet we can't say goodbye to them in any meaningful way because that would be that would mean, you know, acknowledging death and accepting death. It's a really weird contradiction. I've been looking forward to death for a long time. I can't wait. It sounds so <laughs> relaxing. I'm not kidding about this, and I've been saying it for a long time. My wife really I know hates you when have. I bring it up. <laughs> so maybe I, I. that's why I'm talking to you about it, because I can't really talk to her about it. I can't wait to die. But uh, just to go back real quick, um, I hope that when there is a big-ass funeral pyre, I'm just up there, light that shit up, and when it's done, I guess maybe you might have to bury a couple of bones or whatever. But everybody has a big-ass party. Everybody loves a bonfire. What's more fun oh, than yeah. celebrating my entire life and, you know, having me there for this kick-ass party and having a big old bonfire? Sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, sounds great. I, yeah, I had the same idea. It's, it's, it's a good idea. But, yeah, so, like, getting back onto the fatalism of it. Yeah, I, I've been looking forward to death. And, I, you know, I've been suicidal before. I'm not now. Uh, which is a good thing. But, like, I, this whole idea that, like, oh, well, I'm never going to die. As soon as I was diagnosed with diabetes, I was like, oh, shit. Well, there goes that whole idea that I'm immortal. Like, the frailty of human life was made very clear to me then, and I was nine, you know? So, like, I, I've had a pretty good terms on my own mortality. And then I look at my body, and it's like, oh, shit, yeah, I just got diagnosed with glaucoma, <laughs> like, a year ago. I've got fucking high blood pressure. I got I'm sorry diabetes. to laugh, but just you, just you being like, and then I look at my body and I'm like, oh, oh shit. It's, <laughs> it's trash, man. If you saw this fucking thing, it's fallen apart everywhere. 
I think I have Ehlers Danlos syndrome, which is like the the hyperextension, hypermobility of joints and like stretchy skin and all that. What I is it called? I have a pretty mild. It's called Ehlers Danlos. My sister got genetic testing done, and she confirmed that she does have it. Now, the odds of me not having it are less than the odds of me having it. Hmm. So I've got that going for me, which is pretty nice. Um, <laughs> but, like, it also means, like, I'll probably have severe rheumatism and end up in a wheelchair. You know, and that's not even counting the fact that they'll probably have to cut my feet off because of the diabetes, and I'll probably go blind. And, you know, <laughs> so, like, all this shit is just happening. And I'm over here fat as fuck, not doing anything to stop it. And, you know, it's a real fucking rough go of things. I don't know, you know, but, like, I, I guess in the end, um, I'm not scared of death. Um, I, it is a bummer to, I, that's for me though. You know, like I, I think about like family members and stuff. Like I know my parents are going to die. I know my grandma's going to die. I know these adorable little kitties are going to die and that's a shame. And I, I hate to think about that, but like thinking about my own mortality is much more easy and comforting. I can wrap my head around it. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I, can I jump on the, I am fat train real quick? Yeah. So, uh, we've got two cats, spaghetti and meatball. Um, turns out spaghetti ended up as the thin one and meatball is a fat little chonker. Um, (laughs) now I wouldn't think that he's a fat cat without a cat to compare him to, but I have a control cat and that's spaghetti. He's about 10 pounds. He's not small, (laughs) but I, then, then I'm looking at his fat fuck brother and he's just, oh, he's just such a fucking turd dude. Just like a, like it crams six oranges into a sock and you've got an idea of what his body's like. Um, he's just a fat turd, right? <laughs> so we had to put him on little kitty diets where they're only getting, a, I think, a half cup of food a day, right? Just to try to curb his insatiable appetite and his yeah. fat, fat, fatness. <laughs> and then I was just like, well, you know, I can't make him suffer through this without all, like, because I'm also fat now. I've gained a healthy amount of weight. Well, an unhealthy amount of weight, if you want to get right down to it. Um, I should probably go on a diet with my cat. So me and me and Meatball, we've been dieting. He's a little saucier than normal. I'm a little saucier than normal. A little, little, uh, little testy, a little on edge. But, you know, I haven't seen any gains, even though I've been doing this for a month. And uh, I don't think my life is ever going to get better. Or at least my body. Well, shit. <laughs> yeah 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 i don't know we're i feel like we're all gonna get fat in quarantine i've been trying to lose weight in quarantine because like my day-to-day life hasn't really changed i go to work five days a week my wife is going to work just as often you know i'm doing the same shit like i you know still scooping the poops of the kitties and i'm trying to get exercise and i was outside chopping stuff i got a new axe love the axe love to chop stuff um, and I'm trying stuff, but it's just not helping. Yeah. Speaking of the axe, though, is there anything better than a full force swing with an axe, a sharp axe? Feels pretty good. Just absolutely cathartic. Amazing. I recommend it for anyone who's like, well, what do I do? I got to get outside, go outside and, and chop something. You got an old stump somewhere? Uh, start fucking hacking at that shit with an axe or maybe even a splitting mall. Um, cause that, that stump can probably stand to go and you could stand some exercise get a good full force swing in and uh really bring that fucker down yeah i'm just picturing someone like as a part of their workout regimen i'm picturing them like um what are those like uh those wrestling unitards that those guys wear yeah i'm, I'm like picturing a like the man uniform like, yeah like yeah like 1920s um it's got stripes buff- on it buff guy who is just like fat for some reason because <laughs> <Like that. laughs> all fat guy or also yeah all fat guys were considered strong this this I, dude the six pack of the six pack abs were not invented till like 1968 i feel like yeah well I'm like the 1910 sure. six pack was just a pair of man tits you're like look at how strong this guy is he must be <laughs> 350 pounds yeah but i'm just picturing a a guy looking like that out in his yard with an axe because you told him to. Yeah, well, the, you got to get the that cops called in. on him. <laughs> Looking for a stump <laughs> or something, something to chop down. I mean, I live in There's the a... city. I'm out back chopping. What are they going to do? 
I, to be fair, I was wearing my Stormy Cromer and a flannel out back, just shopping shit. And I was that like, does oh, make man, it better. If someone were to see me right now, that I'd have to just be like, no, don't worry, I know what I'm doing. I'm a youper. <laughs> I got a come. You want to come look at my wood chipper? I'll solve that problem real quick. <laughs> wood chipper, shit. I don't think you, you think you uh, overestimate how big my house is. I've been there. Yeah, it's not big. There's that New York Times article that was like, have a have a stay at home vacation. Just you know, sleep in your guest room. It's like my guest room is where I keep my bikes. These people I have like a standing closet. <sighs> These people don't understand that like most Americans aren't Rich. bougie assholes like them. Yeah, crazy like concept. <laughs> There's some other New York Times article that was like, for a lot of New Yorkers, they're facing a tough decision as they as they have to decide whether to quarantine with their help or do their own oh housework. Like, yeah, what a, you. You're home the whole time. <laughs> like, first of all, keep paying that person. But second of all, clean your own fucking house. How's that? If you're home the whole time. Why would you not clean your house? You're probably looking for things to do because you can't even go outside in New York. Is that a crazy concept? Well, I don't know. I've been home and my house is not clean. But Well, now you got a project. <laughs> I guess. It's yeah. a thing to do, man. I mean, yeah, you're not going to be impressing anybody. I've, I've let the housework slide. But, I mean, still, there's no reason that you should have fucking your, your maid have to live with you instead of with her family or his family just to pick up after your dumb uh yeah it's pretty bad well they 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 can't do their own housework because they're busy fucking writing articles about how whatever muhammad bid salman is actually like slay king for the center for american <laughs> prosperity yeah so i was talking with a co-work today and it really struck me I was thinking about like other coworkers and how they're taking time off to be with their kids. How old were you when you were just left home alone? Because you're the oldest and you got a couple of siblings. How old were you when you were just left home alone, like during the summer and shit? Um, probably like I don't know. I was I was older. I was probably like eleven or twelve. But that's just because oh, wow. like my sister's five years younger than me, and yeah. maybe I wasn't. Maybe I wasn't that old. But they, like, hired babysitters. I was probably, like, 9 or 10, I guess. Because they hired babysitters okay. basically to look after my younger brother and sister rather right. than trust me to watch them, I guess. I mean, yeah. that If something were to happen, I understand that. But, like, I think I, you know, every summer I would just be left alone. I When I was 8, I got a rifle. And they just, we had a gun cabinet, but it was always unlocked. So it's just like, well, Rob's home. He's got a rifle. He'll he'll keep himself entertained. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I did. Spent a lot of time in the woods. I mean, they gave me a knife, which is a really nice knife. I wish I still had it. I'd go out and I'd whittle things or uh, take a couple of nails and some pieces of wood and just nail stuff to other stuff. And, you know, like stuff that I feel like today's parents just wouldn't do. Now, this is me going like, oh, kids today. But really, it's just more like parents today. If I had kids, I, I feel like when they're about seven or eight, I wouldn't really have to care about leaving them home. Doubly so now, because the kids shouldn't be outside spreading the coronavirus. So it's like, yeah, I got to go to work for eight hours, and your mom has to go to work for eight hours. So stay inside. There's food in the fridge, and you know how to work the microwave. You're fucking playing video games all day anyway. Like I think you'll be able to stand eight and a half hours without constant supervision. But according to uh, a lot of a lot of people, I guess that's not a thing. I mean, eight sounds a little bit young to me, but generally I would agree with you. I think, I mean, like, there's that extreme where you're, like, leaving an eight-year-old home for eight hours, and then there's the other extreme where, like, parents are getting arrested for letting their kids go to the park by themselves. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, like let your kids play outside let your kids have an independent life it's really yeah, i mean we it's really weird like you we think that fucking millennials are like broken and i think that we kind of are by like our upbringing or whatever things happened w during our childhoods but i think that like 
the kids that are being raised now or like teenagers nowadays are going to be, they're going to have a really hard time like having any internal motivation to do anything. They're going to be afraid to ever fuck up. They're going to be afraid to ever like try anything um, like risky. And I don't mean that in the sense of like physical like danger or anything. I just mean like to be an adult, you have to be willing to fuck up and fail yeah. because that's how you grow. And that's like something that took me a long time to learn. Like I didn't, you know what I mean? I, it took me a while to figure that out. I'm going to put a big caveat on here and just be like, we are uh, both without children. Um, I got a vasectomy just about a year ago. and I have a dog, though. It's the same thing. I mean, she can't get pregnant because it's a he. Anyway, that was my dog fucking joke. It didn't really go anywhere. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. But yeah, I mean, so like, I will say that, you know, if you're a parent out there and we offended you, um, don't tell me about it because I never want to learn that you are a parent. <laughs> but beyond that, uh, you know, take everything we say about raising children with a grain of salt because, come on, I have no plans on interacting with a child that's not part of my family ever again. Yeah, just take everything we say with a grain of salt. I don't know. We're just... Everything's a big joke. It's a parody, uh, especially the stuff about... Uh, yeah god damn it i can't believe you said you were gonna fuck the pope again oh that's not even bad i'm not catholic what do i give a fuck i'll fuck the pope today i'll hold him down and fuck him (laughs) what do i care who's who's getting offended by that but he's but he's he's like woke you can't rape the woke woke pope. pope Oh, my God. I don't think that could ever be. I don't think there's ever been a woke pope, and I don't think there ever will the, be. The wope. That's just like saying, oh, yeah, these cops sure are woke. I mean, they put a rainbow on their car. Oh, hell yeah. You know, I heard Verizon uh, put a rainbow on their uh, placard while they're selling you cell phones at Pride. Wow. I should really yeah. patronize their business. It really yeah, should sure feel are, like uh, they care about my progressive values. They're leaders and champions of industry. And we should fall in line behind them. <laughs> All right, folks, this has been the Uper Gun Club. I'm Rob. And I'm Zach. And I'll see you in hell. See you either in hell or in communism, everybody.